Welcome to America's Land Auctioneer, everybody. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. I want to thank you all for joining us today. I appreciate it very much. It's been a week now since we were last on the air with all of you. I got a great show today lined up here. I got Will Blackman is going to be on with us here in just a few minutes. And then also Sean Black. Sean Black is uh, with Black Forest Sawmill and on the East Coast. We're going to talk lumber prices and timber price, prices and all of that. Uh, but before we get into visiting with our guests here a little bit, just want to give everybody an update on some land valuations and some of the trends that are taking place in cropland and pasture land throughout the region. Pfeiffer's had some really exceptional auction sales over the last couple of weeks here in North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, and then also in Montana. And it looks like on an average, we're seeing right now an average of about a 5 to 12% increase in farmland values, which is rather substantial given the fact that over the course of the last four years, farmland values have remained rather steady, rather constant. Even though it's been a confident land market, we're certainly seeing an uptick in farmland values. And probably the main reason is that we're starting to see such a strong response to these low interest rates because of the Federal Reserve expansionary policy and keeping the interest rates low. So anytime you can be working in an environment where the prime lending rate is three and a quarter percent or lower, you're going to be getting access to some pretty reasonably priced debt financing, which we haven't seen for quite some time. So again, that's, that is one of the things that is obviously causing land values to increase because now not only farmers and ranchers, but investors can get into the market, not have to use their own capital in access, cheaper debt financing. So again, that all comes into play, obviously. And then with the commodity prices, the way they were you know, a month or so ago, even though we've seen some volatility lately here, we're seeing the commodity prices at least somewhat higher than they were a year ago. So overall, it looks like farmland values in the region are going to remain pretty strong throughout the balance of the year. At Pfeiffer's, we really don't expect to see any decline in uh, farmland values over the course of the next six months. And then obviously on the horizon that everybody is going to be concerned about are the capital gain tax uh, consequences that we may see increases, whether it's from the, the new Congress and the new administration or whatever it might be. But again, obviously, there is an enormous amount of federal debt that needs to be paid for. And it looks like the federal government may be taking a hard look at capital gain taxes and those types of things. But again, you can access a lot of that information at pifers.com or on our show frequently. We do bring in some of the tax advisors and estate planners and those people but today, we're going to have a great show today. I am so excited that Will Blackman is with us today. Let me just give you a little bit of a background. One of the couple of reasons I really wanted to have him on the show today, obviously, he had a stellar college and professional football career uh, playing at Boston College from 01 to 05. And he still holds several, several top records in school history there, played safety, corner, receiver, and kick returner. Uh, and then in 06, obviously drafted by the Green Bay Packers in the 06, uh, in the fourth round, and then also played a couple seasons with the Giants and won a Super Bowl. But 
what's interesting about this gentleman is he, he is a student of wine. Will, hey, welcome to the show this morning. What's happening, Kevin? Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I literally just got the field. Uh, I don't, I don't train kids anymore, but I have made some exceptions. So I just finished training a kid. So, yeah, I just got the field. Thank you. How you doing? Yeah, good. Thank you. Yeah, well, it's good. You know, it's good to have uh, guys like you that you know had great careers and still want to get involved with the youth and help them become better people in life, not only great athletes, but become better people too. So you're a quality guy and obviously got a lot of neat stuff going on in your life. And, you know, as I was mentioning before we went on the air, I actually remember last year, I think it was in August, when uh, Wine Spectator magazine, which I I subscribed to that for quite some time now, they did a a feature on you because – Obviously, you're a highly recognized uh, former NFL football player, and you played in a Super Bowl. But you also now have really gotten involved in the in the wine buying consultation education uh, industry. Now, how did you get started in that particular industry? Yeah, you know, it, it just happened like organically. You know, when I was um, when I was playing, we I just you know consumed it organically um going on road trips and our position group would always you know have wine at dinner and one of our one of my teammates was charles woodson who i happened to find out he actually the year i was drafted he was signed the same year and hanging out with him is when i found out i was like okay he's a he's a big wine consumer too and being being a Green Bay Packer, it's beer town, you know? And I was like, Tom, you know, would people look at me crazy because I'm drinking wine instead of beer out here? So when I found out Charles was <laughs> drinking wine as well, I'm like, shoot, no one's going to say anything to Charles. He's our best player. And but what, I found, but what I found fascinating was not only was he a consumer of wine, but he also had his own wine label and this is like this this is 2006 and you know he started he started early before a lot of people i'm sure like drew bretzel was doing his stuff and um, amongst others the camille but no one really knew like charles was making his own wine and i thought that was super fascinating because not only was it cool that a former athlete or current athlete at that time but also someone who was African-American in this space that I thought was untouchable. So that's kind of where it started for me, where I was like, oh, not only was it cool to drink wine, but it was possible to actually be in the business. And I had no idea what that process was like. At the time, I'm a rookie, so I didn't even think of, I'm thinking I'm going to play 30 years in the NFL. I had no idea about, I wasn't even thinking about life after football. Um, so while I was playing, I got invited to, a lot of cool events that where wine was there and, you know, you get around the big, the big wigs and they start talking about the wine and all their pretty legs, whatever you want to talk about just to sound cool. And I, instead of getting intimidated, I thought it was fascinating and I just wanted to learn more and study more. So I really got into learning about the history and, and bitter culture of wine. Cause that's what made me more curious when it came to the NFL the reason why I fell in love with that game at such a younger young age is because I fell in love with the history of the NFL. My dad would have all these old school films and I would watch these tapes and just thought it was so 
incredible to see those people who paved the way and made the game for what it is today for us. And that's the same thing I fell in love with wine was the story, was the history, was the viticulture, was the fine. Yeah, the lifestyle is fun. It's cool. You get to meet great people. But it's really, you know, from dirt to glass is what I was I thought was fascinating. So that's how that's how the wine book hit me. And then I wanted to learn more. That's like a, that, that's an awesome story too. Yeah, excuse me just for a minute there, but you know, you talk about oh, Charles man. Charles Woodson too, and what a great great football player and teammate he must have been, obviously. And then here you are, like you said, you're in the state of Wisconsin. You think everybody's going to be drinking spotted cow or lining kugels, right? That's spotted what. Spotted cow, yeah, that's right. <laughs> spotted cow, that was my deal right there. My gosh, absolutely. Yeah, I, you I know think, what we call yeah. all we call the all we call the Milwaukee beef. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Yeah. So, the, so I, that's a neat, that, that is really a neat story. I love, I love that story. And, and especially, you know, given your personality and, and how you would gravitate to a guy like Charles Woodson too, and then to learn from him and then obviously then take this on your own. So obviously when you're in the NFL and you started, you know, getting a, acquiring the taste for wine and, 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 and really starting to be a student of it. And I really appreciate the fact too, that you said you were really interested in viticulture, which, you know, in our part of the world, it's agriculture galore up here in North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, mm-hmm. Montana, where we raise a lot of corn and, and soybeans and that type of thing. But really, well, you know, to have a good wine, it all kind of starts in the field, doesn't it? It starts in the vineyard. No question. That, that's the biggest thing because first you have to find, you know, where you want to make this, make, make, make wine. And before we got on air, we talked about Santa Barbara and somebody I'm really close to. His name is Roger Bauer and he's the, um, he's the proprietor at uh, Crown Point in San Diego. And, you know, before that he was in, he developed like this chemical farm for firefighters and, and ended up selling that business and wanted to get into winemaking and, he hired a bunch of like scouts and what have you, and they found this really cool spot in San Diego where the soil was perfect, the aspect was awesome, uh, the weather was super um, suitable for to make Cabernet or estate blends, and he he just I think he just got a hundred points from Jeff Dunnock not a few months ago. Well, that's and, amazing to get a hundred points. That's that's a feat, isn't it? <laughs> it is, but he did everything right as you just mentioned, starting from finding the perfect spot to make these wines. And, oh. and that, and for me, that's what I thought was awesome to, you know, to have a, a glass of Chardonnay from Sonoma taste completely different than Chardonnay from Chablis yep. is because of where it is. I thought that was super cool. That is really neat. Folks, I tell you what, you're listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, my host, or my guest today, Will Blackman from, actually lives in L.A., but played college football for Boston College and eventually for the Packers and the Giants winning in a Super Bowl. I'm going to ask Will to stick around for one more segment because this one went way too fast, folks. You're listening to America's Land Auctioneer. You can get a hold of us. You can email us at info at pifers.com or you can go to our website at pifers.com and you can contact any of our farmland managers our land auctioneers or our real estate agents or you can call us toll free at 877-700-4099 folks you're listening to america's land auctioneer we'll be right back after this break thousand dollar bid two thousand dollar where seventeen fifty dollar here now do so wait for seventeen hundred and fifty 
Welcome back to America's Land Auctioneer, everybody. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. I want to thank you for joining us again here on this beautiful day. I tell you what, folks, we got a great program here today. Former NFL Super Bowl champ Will Blackman is with us today. He's a former Green Bay Packer, New York Giant, played for the Seahawks and Jaguars and the Redskins, but had a great 12-year playing career and uh, also now uh, in the wine business has the wine MVP, which has been highlighted and featured at wine, in Wine Spectator magazine. So again, I want to thank Will for, for being with us here today. Folks, you're listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer. Later in the show, we're also going to be talking lumber and timber prices with Sean Black. Sean is going to be talking to us because there's been a lot of speculation, even in our part of the country, where we don't have a lot of timber, obviously, but there's been a lot of speculation about the high cost of resident residential homes and those types of things and the cost of new construction. So we kind of wanted to bring in somebody in that field too, but having a little bit more fun here with Will this morning. Will, again, thank you for coming back for the second segment here. Yeah, of course. Yeah. We're, it's different, man. It's, Time flies when you're having fun. That's that's the truest statement of all. So it's all good. Yeah, we're having a great time here this morning. I certainly do appreciate it. You know, earlier you talked about how you got into the wine business, you know, from a former teammate. You learned to acquire the taste for good wine with Charles Woodson. And, and I mentioned the fact that one thing I really like about what you brought up and your passion and about viticulture and everybody in this part of the world, we're all kind of tied to the land somehow with this with our big farm backgrounds back here and everything but how is it that you transitioned then that will from you know your playing days then you started this if you could fill our, our audience a little bit in on the wine mvp that you started yeah so the the transition for me if, if i'm gonna do anything in life that is gonna contain consist of a lot of adversity then i gotta love it you know what i mean it has to be a passion that's and that's that was something that i i kind of developed on my own for myself you know i was thinking do i want to go coach well i don't know i don't know sure that's an expertise of mine i I know football i've been doing it my whole life since i was six years old i'm now 37 do i want to do that or maybe front office stuff do i even want to stay in football and put in those hours again sure it, it sounds cool but i don't know if i really want to do that i played 12 years you know i put in a long time to be away from the family and stuff and I started looking at other things. I did some TV. I'm still doing TV as an analyst, but I really wanted something that's going to be uh, something passionate about. And there was just something about this wine world. You know, I started getting certifications when I was playing WSET 2, uh, finished WSET 3, Court of Masters Level 1. And then, funny story. Okay, so this is funny, right? <laughs> I tell the story sometimes, but when I was playing for Washington, the Washington football, now Washington football team, during uh, off-season practice, OTAs, after I got to know the Virginia wine world pretty well, and I got to know Doug Fabioli at Fabioli Sellers, and I would go there, have wine, pick his brain, and he actually invited me to come, you know, work on the vineyard. So, but, so what I would do, Kevin, is after practice, I would – kind of sneak out and, and put on my boots, my vineyard boots, and I would drive over to Fabioli Cells and I would work on the vineyard. And I started doing that again because I was so curious to, I, I wanted to know what this dirt was about and how they did it. And so I would practice during the morning 
And then mid-afternoon, I would go work on the vineyard. And I did that for a few weeks, uh, one off-season. That's uh, awesome. That is a I, cool story that you would do that. That's pretty neat. Because I was, I got because once I started learning and stuff, I got so curious. Um, so, I, initially, I want I thought about making my own wine, and that was kind of what I thought I wanted to do. And I started asking everybody around, and they said the same thing: you have the best grapes, the best vineyard, the best winemaker, whatever. At the end of the day, can you sell wine? Period. And I was like, gosh, that's that's like any business, right? Can you move product? And it dawned on me after hanging out at wine shops, doing research, that I I have such a unique network of people where everyone's asking me for advice. A lot of pro athletes and celebrities want my help in the wine world. And I'm like, why don't I just use my network and resources and connect the two? And that's why I came up with the Wine VP, a wine and concierge business, where I do pretty much everything, a one-stop shop. You want to go to on trip, you want to do a tasting, you want your cellar curated, you want to made a shop for you, whatever it is. So that's kind of where it is. It's when I marry the two, my network and my resources in one. And that's the wine MVP where everyone can be an MVP regardless if you buy a ten dollar bottle of wine or or a three hundred dollar bottle of wine. You know, at the end of the day let's enjoy wine together and not talk down to each other, but talk with each other together. So that's that's the whole premise of the wine MVP. That's an interesting story, and I, you know, I certainly can appreciate the passion that you have for it. I, I love the story of, you know, and I'm sure at NFL practices are they they got to be grueling, exhausting, and here you are, you go through the morning practice sessions, watching film and tape, and then you're out there practicing, and then hey, all your other buddies are probably going back to the rooms, just kind of crashing for the afternoon. You put on your boots and you go out in the vineyard. That's a cool story. I love it. Yeah, but yeah, but for me that was relaxing. That was relaxing to sit there and clean tanks and plant, you know, vines and find what else is growing out there. I was driving around with Mr. Fabioli and he found a, a you know, batch of asparagus that he just picked out and, and eat. So that oh, they, was fun too. Yeah, <laughs> no, that is, that is really a cool story. And, and I know our audience up here really appreciates somebody that has that type of passion and affection for you know, you know, really when, you know, just about anything really kind of all starts with the land. It all starts with the, the crops. And, right. You know, I mean, if you're going to be a good winemaker, you, if you don't have a good crop, you're not going to have a good wine. Right. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what it is. Just learning how to take care of it and manage it suitable for the right place and find the right spot. It's funny. Um, a, clo- a really good friend of mine, his name is Matthew uh, Kajan. He owns, um, he's a CEO of uh, Caprock Grain. And, you know, he, he's the one that offers like organic uh, like you mentioned, the soybeans. I think he's one of the largest in, in the world right now. So I got to learn a little bit of agriculture from him, uh, which was pretty cool. So that I'm telling you, it's it's the weirdest thing and super super fascinating. Um, even even when I um, fly back to, if I ever go back to Wisconsin or Green Bay, or even one time I flew to you know Regina in Canada, Saskatchewan. And as soon as you land, you just you just smell you smell the manure. You know you know you're in farmland. <laughs> and for me, it was it was funny. I'm like, okay, I know where I am now. You know, and it, it was it was pretty cool. So, yeah, that that that's really a neat story. And you you know the fact that you even appreciate it that much. And you know, I know a lot of people. You know, they think, well, geez, the winemaking industry is pretty easy, but it's pretty intense stuff. I mean, really, there's a big difference between owning a vineyard and owning a winemaking shop, isn't there? Oh, it's massive. Any, anyone could really own a shop, and it's way less expensive. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, I, I learned just even 
there are so many codes, there's so many laws, there's so, you know, you got ad tax, there's so many other things. Um, learning about that, because I do get asked the question, I probably beat you to the punch, but like, would I ever want to own my vineyard or, or winery one day? And maybe, you know, or maybe maybe I'll do a custom course. Maybe I'll partner with somebody. I don't know. I see that in the foreseeable future. Uh, right now, I enjoy having fun and being the middleman for people. Uh, right now, I'm working on I'm trying to curate a, an experience to Napa uh, with a bunch of NFL players to, to really show them the part. Because for me, the reason why I, I gain a lot of business in terms of working with wineries is because I do promote viticulture. I do promote uh, history. I do promote education. Again, the lifestyle is super fun and cool, Kevin. But you get to appreciate it more once you learn more about something. And that's what I promote. You know, I... And in, in one of our subscription boxes, I had Spotswood and Catena. And those are two wineries with over 100 years of history. That's amazing. You know, that is uh, something else. Like a, yeah. Folks, I tell you what, you're listening. To, you're listening to America's yeah. Land Auction. Here I got Will Blackman on here. I I know him and I could talk for another whole hour, and I want to. I, yeah. I got to get to a break here, but Will, I appreciate you being with us. I love the passion. I love the story. I know our listeners are going to want to go to the podcast because they can go to our podcast on Spotify and Apple, and they can they can listen to the last two segments here with Will Blackman. Folks, you're listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. You can go to our website at pfeiffers.com or email us at info at pfeiffers.com or call us 877-700-4099. And I promise I'm going to have Will back in the future, folks. We'll be right back after this break. In it here now, I'm gonna do it now. I'm gonna be on here now. Hope it five hundred thousand dollar bid. I'm in five hundred. Welcome back to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. Want to thank you all for being with us. And uh, boy, those first two segments, Bridget, they went pretty fast, didn't they? Yeah, they really did. That was a bye lot bye. of fun. Yeah, that was great. Will Blackman was with us, a former NFL football player. Want to. Super Bowl and now has the wine MVP. Uh, kind of almost like a kind of a brokerage advertising marketing piece for the wine industry, but does a phenomenal job. And I tell you what, folks, the next couple segments really excited. We're finally able to get somebody on that uh, has a lot of experience in the timber industry, the lumber industry. Sean Black's going to be with us here in a minute. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the lumber business and timber prices and that type of thing. He comes out of the Shenandoah Valley on the East Coast, and we're going to be talking to him in a minute here. Just an update here again. I think some of you probably had an opportunity to hear some of our reports earlier in the week at Pfeiffer's. We had a couple of really strong auction sales this past week. Crop uh, land values continue to be on the rise. We're probably up anywhere from 5 to 12% in crop land values this year alone. Depending on exactly where that land is, uh, prices uh, and the value of land are somewhat location dependent. But for the most part, overall, it's probably fair to assume that most farmland values in our part of the country are pretty strong. And it's a very confident market, but we're up in that 5 to 12% range, depending on where you are in this particular part of the region. But folks, there's a lot of uh, growth in the economy right now. There's a lot of real estate development taking place, whether it's commercial or residential. 
Also with that comes a lot of concerns. Obviously, the good side is interest rates are low, whether you're locking in a 15 or a 30-year rate and more in terming that out, however you want to do that. But then on the other hand, you know, doggone it, the lumber prices continue to go up a little bit or they've been kind of going up and down and now they're back down a little bit. And I wanted to bring in somebody that knew a lot about this business, Sean Black. He's been in this for quite some time now. He has his own business, Black Forest Sawmill, out in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. Sean, hey, thanks for being with me today. And thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here today. And uh, boy, uh, how off guard was the industry? Uh, in, you, you know, you're in the you're in the sawmill business, obviously, and you do a lot of custom work. Uh, do you think everybody was caught off a little, little bit off guard on the on how the price of lumber just jumped over the course of the last six to twelve months? Uh, yeah, I, I really do. I think a lot of people were caught off guard and. I think uh, a lot of uh, experts, so to speak, were not predicting uh, a housing boom, a construction boom. They were looking for a lull. And like you just mentioned, interest rates being at uh, all-time lows, a lot of people were uh, going ahead and building. And not to mention... With the virus conditions set by different states and different localities, uh, people who were at home were doing a lot of home improvements. So we kind of saw a supply and demand issue happen right before our eyes. So it was uh, definitely caught people off guard. Yeah, for and for you know the previous decade or whatever leading up to this, I mean, it was an industry, wasn't it? For the most part, that was pretty steady in its pricing, whether it was wholesale or retail pricing. We didn't we didn't see the big gyrations or the of the fluctuations that we're seeing now, do we? Did we? Uh, uh, no, no, because we saw all time highs, and uh, just like a lot of. Uh, uh, your people in the Midwest follow the commodities trade. Lumber is also traded at a commodity. And, you know, we saw a high of uh, $1,600 per 1,000 board feet when normally uh, Lumber's traded between two hundred and fifty to five hundred dollars per thousand. So during this whole time, we've seen a high of sixteen hundred and seventy on the commodities trade to a low of four hundred and sixty nine dollars. And as of today, it's just over eight hundred dollars per thousand board feet. I would imagine that sure. that most business owners in your profession they would rather like. I mean, these these numbers can can really cause a lot of disruptions in your business. Correct? Yes, correct. Yeah, I mean, you would rather see yeah. more stability, more even pricing. Yeah, because yeah, you okay for a while you can take advantage of some of these different price fluctuations or whatever, but. 
for the most part, I mean, it's got to, it has to, it has to cause you guys a lot of sleepless nights. Uh, yeah, because what you see on the end from the uh, retail market to the wholesale market is just uh, the, the gap just widened. So basically, what happens is uh, coming off the sawmill. Most everything is in a wholesale to uh, a light retail, you know, just depending on the wood species and uh, uh, how custom it is. But if we're talking framing lumber, it's, uh, you know, it it just causes uh, from the beginning because... Homeowners, regular owners, see the price of a two by four or two by six at Lowe's, and yet the cost to produce it to get it out of the woods or its value standing changes very little. So it causes tremendous headaches. I, in, I, uh, in the whole industry, are you are you seeing certain uh, species of timber that are that are experiencing constantly higher prices than others? Uh, yes, as far as the hardwood markets go, uh, we're seeing white oak and uh, walnut continuously increase in value. You know, and, up, up in our part of the country, we got a lot of pine. Is the pine in the same situation or not? Uh, the pine is, it's really regionally in the, uh, in the United States. The, the southeast is, uh, uh, there's a lot of pine produced uh, that's harvested in the woods. And then taken to the mills, and then in this northern region uh, with the Canadian lumber uh, and the Pacific Northwest, it also fluctuates with these prices. So, yes to all, everything's increasing, unfortunately, because that delays the uh drop in price to kind of get it stabilized what is your what is you know and you've been in this business for quite some time and, and, and you know in, in our next segment i want to talk to you about the expansion that you've seen in your company and you you've done a phenomenal job you know muscle building your company and growing it but you know as we now kind of get into the third quarter of 2021 post pandemic for the most part now what concerns do you have? Because I'm, I'm sure you're seeing that on both sides, kind of a, I mean, I'm assuming you're buying wholesale, but then you're selling retail, but you got your own sawmill, you got your own showroom now. What concerns in the, in the timber and lumber industry do you are top of mind for you right now as we go into this third and fourth quarter of 2021? Uh, I would say the biggest concern across the board and this, relates back to the uh, uh, supply and demand issue is the labor force. Until people are 
going back to work and not basically paid to stay at home, they're, the, the supply will not keep up with the demand. And do you think you're kind of seeing that throughout the entire lumber, you know, basically from out, out in the forest, the timber part of it, all the way through the processing, you're seeing that shortage of, of labor throughout the whole system? Yes, absolutely. It's a, it's a common concern everywhere you go, from uh, just getting it out of the woods to uh, sawmills running at full capacity to be able to meet up with the demand. So I, I think, and, uh, and I'm seeing this when I look at uh, projections, you know, possibly uh, another six to eight months before supply can catch up to demand. Worst case scenario is another year. You're listening to one of the best in the business, folks, Sean Black. He's with the Black Forest Sawmill in the Shenandoah Valley region of the eastern part of the United States, big into the timber and lumber industry, and we wanted to bring in one of the best, and we got him today. We're going to have him back on our last segment, folks. You've been listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. If you want to get a hold of any of us, you can do so by going to our website at pifers.com or you can email us info at pifers.com we'll make sure that you get a hold of any of our farmland managers any of our farm real estate agents or land auctioneers or you can obviously call us toll free 877-700-4099 folks you're listening to america's land auctioneer we'll be right back after this break been the money getting in on 35 and i have sold it to you right there good bird just great bye Been on here now, fifty thousand dollar bid now, twenty five bid thirty. Alvin twenty five of the bid on thirty and one of thirty thousand dollar tier now. They can get now thirty thousand dollar bid and now five. Welcome back to our final segment here on America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. Thank you all for being with us. We've had a great show today. Earlier, we had Will Blackman on, a former NFL player, big into the wine business now, and a viticulturist. Uh, who's having a great time, very passionate about what he does. That's one thing I like about our show, Bridget. We bring in people that are passionate, don't we? Definitely. Always Mm. something nice to say. Yeah, it is, (laughs) and I just love that. And Sean Black, of course, is with us. Sean Black is with Black Forest Sawmill. It's his, his name's on, on the front uh, sign and when you walk in. And, and he's out of the Shenandoah Valley region near Waynesboro, Virginia. We wanted to bring in an expert on the timber and lumber industry, and uh, we've been having some great discussion with him, talking about a lot of different things. And especially as we lean into the third and fourth quarter now of this year, talking about the labor shortages and those types of things. Sean, again, thank you for being with us. Uh, you know, a couple of our listeners, you know, I know we've talked to them on and off over the course of the last couple of weeks, concerned about timber and lumber prices and that type of thing. You know, and you had mentioned earlier in, in the previous segment that, you know, some of it had to do with the supply, not being able to keep up with the demand and that type of thing. What is the overall kind of, I know it's probably a general statement you'll have to make in this, but the overall assessment of, 
of the health of the timber industry and, and the crop out there in the United States? I mean, is that something that that's being threatened at all, or, or do you think they're being replenished enough? Or what's your gut feel or your or your professional opinion on that? Uh, I feel like our timber crop in the United States, uh, for the most part, is being handled correctly. There's uh, sustainable forestry initiatives, and there's also so much of our timber is produced off of private lands, which when you have uh, family owners that want to keep their timberland intact and growing, so generations can benefit from it. Uh, that's where we're seeing uh, a lot of good work, just from the private forests all across the uh, the United States. Are there any species that you would think of? You know, whether it's the hardwood or what or whatever it might be. Or are there any that maybe? maybe more prominent there, there may be more of a supply of than others or is it pretty constant throughout the different species of timber uh it's it's real it's really regionally based uh you know probably most of our land mass in the united states uh if you take and put it all together is predominantly uh pine spruce or fir and you know we have particularly good hardwood regions throughout uh, the united states but uh, you know i'm my business is built more around the uh the hardwoods and the custom hardwoods so as we as we get you know near the end of this year, and you, I know in the previous segment you said you know we're probably another six to eight months out from uh, seeing more stability. Once once we get back to you know and I don't know if life will ever be this as it was pre pandemic or back to normal or whatever it might be, you know and you have you have foresight as a business, a lot of vision. I've been talking to folks that know you that just think the world of you and respect what you're doing. Do you feel now as we get, you know, we get past this year and into next year, you know, like your own business, for instance, I know you've expanded. Do you feel that, you know, going into now, we get past, if we can get past this next six to eight months of volatility, do you you, you see some a lot of good things happening in your business? I, yeah, I, I really do. And we try to position ourselves to be competitive and stay ahead because we are a small family business and we do things that really only a small family business can do, and that is stay on the custom side and we stay away from high production because high production means higher overhead and more workforce where we can do things that stay on a small scale and not have to rely on so many constant factors like higher cost in trucking or uh, 
even higher insurance premiums. And when you're dealing in that custom work, you know, obviously that provides, you know, you get a lot of probably repeat business, I would imagine. Yes, absolutely. And that's, that's what we try to do is, is, uh, we cater to other small companies, other woodworking companies that may be, uh, a hobbyist in their garage on the weekends or full-time woodworking shops that may have a half a dozen employees. So obviously in in your business or your profession, you know, you see a lot of different types of, you know, you you see like, you know, obviously you got the big box stores and then the big uh, wood shops and everything, and they can do all of this. And in your business, you've kind of created this niche, but you know, you've seen it kind of from the beginning to the end, you know, from the from the harvesting of the timber through all the, not only the processing then and the refining of the the lumber and everything, and then also to the building. In, in this entire profession now that you're in, what, what are a couple of things that consumers can look forward to that there may be some good news on the horizon for real estate uh, development and cost of building as, as we kind of get through the next six months or so? Uh, definitely, we should see a price decrease. We should see, as far as framing lumber goes, it get back to some type of normalcy uh, simply because we've already seen a 40% decrease in the uh, futures trading of lumber in in the uh, month of June. So that will take a little while to filter over into the box stores, and once supply gets back up, it uh we'll definitely see uh prices prices uh level out and get back to normal i am sure that's going to be a good relief for a lot of people especially for those uh, first time home buyers or people wanting to get into the business do you work frequently with a lot of other builders too uh yes we we work with builders on uh custom work uh it's more finished work inside of a home whether it be wood uh bar tops countertops or uh dining room tables Folks, I tell you what, we've had some great guests today including Sean Black who you've been listening to here the last couple of segments Sean is out of the Shenandoah Valley in Virginia near Waynesboro. He's the owner of Black Forest Sawmill and does a great job in his industry. I want to thank him again for having us with have being with us here today on America's Land Auctioneer. Sean, thank you for being with us. I appreciate it. Yep, thank you for having me. Folks, you've been listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. You can get a hold of us by emailing us at info at Go to our website at pipers.com and you can contact any of our farmland managers, any of our land real estate agents or land auctioneers. Or, of course, you can always call us at 877-700-4099. Folks, one thing you can always count on when you listen to America's Land Auctioneer, 
Our guests are very passionate about what they do, and I want to thank Will and Sean for both being with us today. Folks, until next week, have a great day.